0: Effective Living with Rev. Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. I'm talking today about the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of salvation. Somebody say the gospel is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. When we talk about the gospel, we are making reference to a good news, a good news, the good news that brings salvation. So the gospel is a good news. It is not condemnation. The gospel is not attacking people. The gospel is not harassing people. The gospel is not accusing people. The gospel is the good news. That brings salvation. And um, every now and then, when I go out from time to time, I hear people trying to preach the gospel. They try to evangelize. You know, the word evangelize, it comes from a Greek word, evangelion. Evangelion is a Greek word which means good news. So anytime we are going to evangelize, we're actually supposed to go and share what. Good news. But then I hear people preaching or evangelizing, and they target people's behaviors and they are hitting at them. They condemn people. You are a prostitute. Your skirt is as if you are this, and you are a drunkard, and you are, you know, they will look for everything to criticize and condemn. And I've been asking myself, When Jesus met sinners, what did he do? When Jesus met sinners, I mean, read the Bible and look at when Jesus met real sinners. Real sinners like Zacchaeus. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do when he met the Samaritan woman at the well? What did Jesus do when he met the sinners? When he met the sinners? And I can tell you that most of these people are very zealous. Their motive is good, but their approach is all wrong. Their approach bringing salvation to people is not to first condemn them. The truth is every sinner feels condemned already before you met him. Every sinner hates what he's doing. They don't like what they do. They don't like the way they are. But the reason why sinners remain in sin is because they cannot help themselves. They cannot change themselves. They cannot stop drinking by themselves, by their own power. A drunker cannot stop drinking by his own power. The process you cannot just get up and say, I stop. It's not that easy. People are doing a lot of things not because they like it, but because they have to. They have to. And so that is why the gospel is the good news that comes to tell the sinner that, hey, there is hope. You can change. You can be free. You can have a better life. You can have a transformed life. Your life can become different and better. Yeah, you don't go to a sinner and go and still be condemning him in what he already feels condemned about. You go and show him the way out. So the gospel says that there is a way out of your sins. There's a way out. And that way out is Jesus Christ. So when we go to preach the gospel, we are going to talk about Jesus, not about people's sins, not about people's bad deeds and evil deeds, you know. I keep asking myself, so some of these people who are condemning all these bad practices, are they trying to say they've never done it before? I cannot condemn any drunkard, unless I want to be a hypocrite, because I used to drink a lot. I cannot condemn anybody who is in a club right now, drinking, womanizing. I cannot condemn them. I used to not go to church on Sunday. I go to church once a while, and it's not about a relationship with God. It's just about religion. That's the routine. I used to be a very bad person, very worldly person. Didn't want to have anything to do with God. I was never mentioned among very good behaved guys when I was in secondary school, no. So when I see people there right now, I feel for them because I put myself in their shoes. I've been there before. I know without Jesus, it's not possible to be free. But I also know that through Jesus, it's possible for every sinner to be free. I know that by my life as a testimony, that if I can change and live a godly life and live an upright life by the grace of God, that from the day I gave my life to Jesus, 1991, 21st July, I gave my life to Jesus, my life took a total turnaround. Never went back to the world. Never went back to the world. Never went back to anything worldly, anything ungodly up to now. It's a miracle. But I can use my life to encourage somebody that you can change. Your life can turn around. Don't go and be a hypocrite as if you you were born as an angel. No, we were all sinners saved by grace. And so we can talk to people that it's only Jesus who can make it happen. It's only Jesus who can make it happen. So the gospel is supposed to bring salvation. When it say salvation, what does it mean? Salvation means that Someone should receive forgiveness of sin and become a child of God. Salvation means to receive forgiveness of sins and become what? A child of God. Let the writer say, I am a child of God. In Romans 1.16, we learn one important thing, that the gospel is the only power that can change a sinner. Why do we need to go out and preach the gospel? Because it is the only solution to the sin problem of the world. The gospel is the only solution to the sin problem of the world. The gospel is the only solution to the sin problem of this world. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God unto salvation. for." Everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also for the Greek. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is what? You want to see God's power move mightily? It is through the gospel, through the good news. It is not through condemnation. It is not through condemnation. It is not through any form of harassment. No, it is through the gospel. It is the power of God. For salvation, it is the power of God to salvation for everyone. How many people? Everyone. Every sinner can be saved only through the gospel. And that is why we cannot keep it to ourselves. Because if we keep it to ourselves, the sin problem of this world will remain. One of the purposes, last year when I was teaching about the purpose of the church, I said one of the purposes of the church is evangelism. Because God has established the church. Jesus built the church so that through the church the world will receive the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, Apostle Paul says something. He said, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ died for what? Our sins. That is the gospel. So when we begin to look into the gospel, we are talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus and his power to change us. Verse 4, he said, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen by Jesus then by the twelve. You see, The good news of salvation is not just knowing that Jesus died for our sins. It's not just knowing that he was buried. It's not even knowing that he rose. It is knowing that he is still alive today and he can come into your life and change your life. So the gospel is about understanding that he didn't just die for the sake of it. He didn't rise from the dead for the sake of it. He rose from the dead with the intention to what? Come into people's lives and change their lives. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the savior of the world. And that is why we must understand the need to talk about him. When we are talking to the sinner, we are talking about only one person, Jesus. Can I hear you mention Jesus? Yeah, the only one person we talk about to the sinner is Jesus. And what do we say about Jesus? The fact that he can come into your life, that he is alive. Somebody say he's alive. Yeah, he's alive and he can come into your life and he can change your life. You encourage people to say, look, Jesus is alive. He is alive. If you want to be free from sin, you want to live a godly life, you want to live, a, you know, an upright life, a fulfilled life, invite him into your life. Surrender your life to him. Let him take over your life. And when he does that, you see a change. In the book of 1 Corinthians 1, verse 23, Apostle Paul said something. He said, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. Paul said, We are preaching what? Christ. We are not preaching about ourselves. We are preaching about Jesus. The only preaching... That changes the sinner is, a preaching, is the preaching about Jesus. It's not a preaching about yourself. It's not a preaching about your church. It's not arguments. You know, sometimes people are going for evangelism. They are arguing with people. Evangelism is not to go and argue to see who knows the scripture better than the other. Evangelism is about telling somebody, simple, Jesus is alive. He can change your life if you ask him to come into your life. And Apostle Paul said to many Jews, the word Jesus is a stumbling block. In other words, it doesn't make any sense to them. They don't want to hear about that name. And you know why they don't want to hear about it? Because the Jews never believed that Jesus rose from the dead. The Jews believed that the disciples of Jesus went to steal him from the tomb. And you know why they believed that? was because the chief priests bribed the guards to go and fabricate this lie and spread it. And so Paul said, it's a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, it's foolishness. The gospel doesn't make sense, but it changes lives. The gospel doesn't make sense to many people, but the only challenge is that you cannot dispute the effect on people's lives. You can argue against it, you can challenge it. You know, the Greeks were philosophers. I I mean, modern philosophy started from the Greeks. You know, the philosophers think the gospel is foolishness. And we've all thought like that before. There was a time in our, in our lives, we thought all oh, this, we used to call it creepy. All oh, these creepy things is just foolishness. So Apostle Paul said, but we keep preaching Christ. We keep preaching Jesus. We keep talking about Jesus. Then verse 24, he said, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is what? The power of God and the wisdom of God. So it is only when Jesus comes into your life and you start seeing the transformation, the change that takes place in your life, that is when you begin to understand that this same gospel that sounds foolish to people, it carries power and it is full of wisdom. Now, the important reason why we need to share the gospel is because it is one important mandate that Jesus gave to the church. In the book of Mark, chapter 16, from verse 15. Mark 16, from verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It is Jesus himself. That is the last thing Jesus told the disciples before he ascended to heaven. He said, Go into all the world. All the world. Every part of the world must hear the gospel. He said, Go and preach. The gospel. Don't go and preach about yourself. Don't go and preach about your church. Don't go and preach arguments. You know, don't go and be arguing with people. He said, go and preach the gospel. Don't go and preach condemnation. Don't go and preach judgments. You are not a judge over anybody. Yeah, Apostle Paul said, we preach Christ crucified. That is the gospel. It's death, burial, and resurrection. And his power to save a sinner. Who gives his life over to him. Verse 16, he said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So we don't argue with people about the gospel. We preach it and we leave people to decide what to do with it. He said, When people hear the gospel, some will believe. Some will believe. And when they believe, they will be saved. Those who don't believe it, they will be condemned. We just have to preach the gospel. It is up to the people to decide whether to believe it. That's what Jesus said in the book of Romans chapter 10 from verse 13. That he said, For whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When he said the name of the Lord, he's talking about the name of Jesus. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means whoever believes in Jesus and sees him as a savior, he will be saved. But then Paul goes on to say, verse 14, he said, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Paul said, nobody can call on the name of the Lord, or nobody can can call on the name unless they believe the gospel. Unless they believe the gospel. So Paul was trying to just emphasize what Jesus said in Mark 16 from verse 15 and 16. He said, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without Preacher. So Paul is saying that the reason why the church must take responsibility to spread the gospel is because it is the only way people will come to believe in Jesus. The only way people will come to believe in Jesus is when they hear about him. They cannot hear about Jesus unless there's a preacher. So the purpose of evangelism is to make people know about Jesus. When they hear it, they will believe it. If they believe it, they will call upon Him. If they call upon Him, they will become saved. So it's a process. Somebody says it's a process. But the process starts with you. The process of salvation for any sinner begins with the church. It begins with the believer. Any time you see somebody saved, giving his life to Christ, the salvation of a sinner is an outcome of a process. And that process is that somebody must decide to talk to that person about Jesus. Even sometimes when you see an altar call and you see people walking towards the altar, that person might have heard about Jesus before. I mean, I was trying to say that I gave my life to Jesus uh, 21st July, 1991. That was not the first day I heard the gospel. I had my close friend of mine called Dixon. We used to stay together, live together. I mean, do a lot of things together. We were friends since class three, primary class three. We were friends and we are still friends today. In fact, yesterday I was with him uh, most part of the day, far away in the Volta region. And he got born again, and I was still an unbeliever. And he would preach to me and talk to me and preach and preach and preach. For like three, four years, this guy was preaching to me. And every time he preached, I hear it and I ignore it. But we were still friends. We were still friends. And he never gave up on me. He never condemned me. He never... You know, I was still drinking. Was, well, we live in the same room. I was drinking, you know. Sometimes he would he catch me and my girlfriend down and preach to us. And after preaching, we suck him from the room. He never, ever sacrificed our friendship. Uh, I got into the sixth form and I became sick. So when I became sick, I had a roommate in the dormitory. He's called Ben. We don't have SU because... German is a college school, and they don't allow scripture union. But we still, there was still a very strong group in that school. Yeah, and he was the leader. Very strong guy. Very powerful and anointed guy. And this guy just began to talk to me about Jesus and began to pray for me. Because every time I'm, they go to class and come, I'm in, I'm in a dormitory and I'm sick. And so he began to talk to me. We became very close friends, and he was talking to me and praying for me, and... And uh, actually, I made my, my mind to change because I realized that nothing could make sense to me again if my educational ambitions could just be thwarted. I can't study. I can't go for classes. And, and in those days, if you don't have Jesus, the only hope I had was what? My education. The only thing important to, to me was my education. Satan had just taken it away from me. So God had to find his own way to you know, put me in that corner. And I'm talking about the fact that I've tried other options. I've tried other options. My parents took me to a lot of spiritualists because I told them the thing is spiritual. I told them it's spiritual. They took me to a lot of spiritualists. I've been to shrines. They did a lot of rituals. They said everything has stopped. I remember one of my uncles told my father, this place, when we go and come, men's sound will be fine. We went and came. They did rituals. They did everything son was never fine. (laughs) Yeah. Then we stopped going to the shrine. We started going to spiritual churches. There's this church. They wear white beads. I've been to all those churches, people. You know, you remove your sandals. Then you go and sit down. You know, you can imagine. I was so desperate. But I felt like my whole future has been taken away from me. And we went. Then my uncle took me to another church called White Cross Church. Now, the White Cross Church, there was this prophet. I believe that guy was a good man, but he did not know the Bible. After I became born again, because he was so powerful, he could see. The first day he saw me, he said, young man, come here. And you know, he's very tall man with a lot of beer. And you know, he said, people want to destroy this boy's life. I see this boy and this boy is the star in his family. He has a great star. I'm going to do everything to make sure that whoever want to destroy this boy will not succeed. Then I was just standing there looking at him, wondering what is going on. The only thing that I, they don't talk about Jesus. So they give you a lot of psalms, and then they give you some leaves to put into water and bath. So you know those days when you see my, when you come to the bathroom, you see the water and bathing a whole lot of concoctions. And when I finish, I open my Bible and I open to the psalms. I read the psalms. I read this psalm. I read this psalm. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Then in 1991, when we had a long vacation, I came to Accra and um, I went to visit my sister and she said, we need to go to church. There's a church I've started going now. They pray for people a lot. All these things you are talking about, when the pastor prays for you, you'll be, you'll be healed. I said, are you sure? He said, yes. I said, okay, so Sunday I'll come. I used to stay with my cousin those days uh, in, uh, around Mamprobi. And I was to travel from Mamprobi to Tema to meet my sister in committee two, and then we go to church in committee seven. By the time I arrived, my sister was gone. I said, oh, what am I going to do? So I was just sitting there thinking of going back and postpone the whole appointment. Then somebody in the house said, if I direct you, can you go? I said, yes, direct me. And he said, okay, so take a a, a trot-tot to Cortez, and then you take committee seven car, and the last stop, that's of Subin Valley. So I just did that. Because those days I knew Tema quite a lot, so I just did that. And when I got to the entrance, the people were so lovely. And they just brought me in. I said, I want to see my sister. They said, you cannot see her after church, but we'll give you a nice place to sit and go to the service. They were very, very nice. I I can never forget that day. The people were very lovely. And then my only challenge that day was I had people speaking, saying, you know, praying in tongues, and I'm wondering, what's, what's going on? You know, everything looks so, like, Mad people. So by the time I'm giving my life to Christ that day, a lot of people had done a lot of work. So we have to continue to talk to people, our friends, our colleagues at work. Just talk to them about Jesus. Just Jesus. Our colleagues at work, our co-tenants at home, the people who live with us, anybody who comes close to you, don't let people come and stay in your home and not know about Jesus. It is very bad. Sometimes I see people, they have a house help who doesn't go to church. They have a house help who doesn't know about Jesus. It is very, very, very bad. Everybody who comes into your space must know about Jesus. You cannot force them to receive Jesus, but you must tell them about Jesus. Our duty is not to force people to receive Jesus. That's what this thing did to me. You know the interesting thing is that this thing is still a believer, but I'm a pastor. Today, most of the problems he has, I pray for him. He was born again long before me. So yesterday we're talking about issues and things that um, I need to pray with him about, but we are still very good friends. He never forced Christianity on me. He never forced Jesus down my throat. He kept talking to me about it. Let me say that God's greatest concern on earth today is the salvation of souls. What is God bothered about most? Salvation of souls. What is God's greatest concern today is what? Okay, in the book of Luke, chapter 15, from verse 4, he said, For what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Jesus said, If you you have 100 sheep and one is lost, you behave as if The 99 is no more important until you find the one. Verse 5. This scripture says that when a shepherd loses one sheep, he will leave the 99 in the wilderness and go look for the one that is lost. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And then he will come and tell um, his colleagues. And when he comes, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who had no need of repentance. So what what Jesus was teaching them was that today as we sit, heaven is happy that children of God has gathered. But there is more joy if only one sinner repents than all of us, our presence here. Our presence here gives God little joy, but the salvation of one sinner makes God much happier than the joy of seeing all of us here. Why? The salvation of souls is his greatest concern. Okay, this scripture doesn't mean God is not concerned about you. He's concerned about you, but he's more concerned about the salvation of sinners. God is concerned about you, but he's more concerned about the salvation of sinners. Yeah, because Jesus died for the salvation of every sinner. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, from verse 3, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. The Bible said that it is good in the sight of God that we keep thinking about the lost souls. Because without Jesus, their lives can never change. Verse 4, it said, who desires? God's desire is that how many men? All men, all men, all men, including all prostitutes, drug addicts, all criminals, all prisoners, people from different religions, different religions. No other religion can bring through salvation except Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. No religion. Salvation is not about which religion, whether you are a Christian or you are in any other religion. No religion gives salvation. Salvation is about a person. A person whose name is Jesus. So salvation is not about, I'm a Hindu. I've stopped practicing Hinduism. I'm now a Christian. That is not salvation. Salvation is not, oh, I'm an idol worshiper. I belong to African traditional religion. Now I have stopped idol worship. I've stopped African traditional religion. Now I'm a Christian. I go to church. There are many fetish priests who left their idols and went to church but they never met the savior, the savior. Religion doesn't change anybody. Don't go preaching against any religion. Don't go preaching against, oh, you are an worshipper, you are a fetish priest, oh, you are a Muslim, your religion is bad, you are a Buddhist, your religion is bad, you belong to this religion, you know, not have Christianity, is the best religion. There's no best religion in the world. <laughs> There's no best religion in the world. All religions are wrong and evil. Hello? Yeah. All religions are wrong and ungodly. Salvation is about a person. His name is Jesus Christ. You can be going to church all your life, but until you meet him, your life is still not saved. It's about a person. It's about Jesus Christ coming into your life. That is why we need to go out there and talk about Jesus. We talk about Jesus to every sinner. It's a God's desire is that all men should be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. All men must be saved. All men must be saved. Amen. Today, I want to encourage you that make it part of your life to try to help people to know about Jesus, to hear about Jesus, to know about Jesus, and to live for Jesus. Let's bow down our heads. Father, we pray and we ask you that you will make our lives a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and his power to save and his power to bring transformation in the name of Jesus. Give us the boldness and the courage to never stop talking about Jesus. Give us the boldness and the courage to always continue to talk about Jesus all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 24 33 Remain blessed.